Good morning. This morning, we're going to start a new series. And it's going to be in the book of Proverbs. And it's going to deal with practical problems. Jesus hit it on the head again, didn't he, when he said, Don't worry about tomorrow, because each day has enough trouble of its own. And uh, I think we can all identify with that. I'd say that uh, each one of us, if we ask ourselves the question, if we have any problems, we'd probably say... Yeah. If somebody came and shared with you what their problem was, here's what usually happens, isn't it? You ever have somebody do that? They come and they share with you what their problems are. And, and you think, well, I do. I think, well, no wonder. You're such a jerk. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's one thought. Have you ever thought that? No, never. Not me. I'm too spiritual, godly. I'm a godly person. <laughs> Nope, not me, Nuh-uh, not me, no sir. But seriously, I mean, you have people that come and say, well, you know, this is going on. Well, why is it going on? Well, stop doing what you're doing and it probably will stop. You know, it's pretty, you know, it's not simple and everything, but, you know, sometimes it's not quite that simple. Or, here's the best one, here's what I like. Oh, how you doing? Well, you know, this is going on. Oh, that's nothing compared to what I'm going through. You know, it's kind of like that hospital mentality. You know, you go in to visit somebody and they're sick and dying and laying in the bed and you come walking in and cheer them up by showing them your scars from all of your operations. Oh, that's nothing. Look at this scar right here. This scar right here. This is kind of the Tom Ferner school of hospitality in hospital. Ah, nothing. Look at this scar. See this scar right here? Get out of bed, you wimp. You know, that kind of thing. Or how many of you, when you if you've ever tried to help somebody in a problem... <laughs> Maybe we can get together sometime, Tom. A little lunch, a little scar preview. How many of you ever tried to help somebody and it just got worse? Like, thank you very much. Here, you'll appreciate this. This is in the newspaper, okay? Things can go from bad to worse. So, anyway, this, this gentleman, he puts an ad in the newspaper Monday, for sale. R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Phone 948-0707 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him cheap. <laughs> Tuesday. Notice, we regret having aired in R.D. Jones's ad yesterday. It should have read, one sewing machine for sale. Cheap. Phone 948-0707 and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him after 7 p.m. You know, it's kind of like getting worse. Wednesday, notice, R.D. Jones has informed us that he has received several annoying telephone calls because of the error that we made in this classified ad yesterday. His ad stands corrected as follows. For sale, R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Cheap, phone 948-0707 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who loves with him. <laughs> Thursday, Notice, I.R.D. Jones have no sewing machine for sale. I smashed it. Don't call 948-0707 as the telephone has been disconnected. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Kelly. Until yesterday, she was my housekeeper, but she has quit. You know, it's kind of like we've all gone through this. This series, I hope, is going to be practical, informative. It's going to deal with current problems. 
Uh, it's a kind of, the book of Proverbs is a great book to study because it deals with life exactly where we live, as do the rest of Scripture. But for some reason, the, the book of Proverbs deals with issues that are very simple and yet so complex in how we deal with them on a regular basis. We're going to talk about things like finances. We're going to talk about subjects like temptation. We're going to talk about things like gossip and lying. And probably should do that now, but, uh, but we'll get to it somewhere along the line. We're going to talk about friends and pride and leadership and all kind of stuff that's all in the book of Proverbs. And uh, we need to understand that where the Bible is specific, we can be specific. And I think what we're learning is that where the Bible is not specific, we need not to be so specific. See, I just figured that I'm not old enough nor educated enough to have an opinion where God doesn't. But I'm sure one day I will, you know, as I, as I get more intelligent. But uh, anyway, a couple of things I want to lay out. Uh, number one, I don't have overheads for this, so you're going to have to pay attention. Number one, it is incorrect, just four principles to start this series. Number one, it is incorrect to think that because you're a Christian that all your problems are solved. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I know. Now, some of you think, oh, okay, that's great. Well, and the reason that I say that is that there's so much distortion out there as far as, you know, you really need, oh, you're having problems in your life? Well, you need to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and all your problems will go away. I know. I hear you. That's exactly true. Then, not. No, it isn't. It is not true. It is not true. And you need to understand that. We all have problems. We're all going to continue to have problems, and that's what Jesus said. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We've got to have, we're going to have to deal with things in life on a regular basis. And because you are a Christian does not mean your problems go away. But we need to understand something. The biggest problem that you and I will ever have is to have to come before a holy God and to be judged. That problem will go away if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That problem is taken care of. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And, uh, you know, if you've come to know him, that problem, which is the only problem of any magnitude that anyone will ever have to experience, that problem is resolved. However, the rest of life's problems do not go away, and in fact, they get worse. And I'll tell you why. Chuck Colson writes in one of his books, and I appreciate the candor of which he writes, in his book, Loving God. And he's concerned about the gospel that tells people, you know, believe in Jesus Christ and, you know what, and all your problems in life will go away. Everything will be rosy and everything will be wonderful. And if you're unemployed, you'll get a job. If you don't have any money, you'll have a ton of money. If you're sick, you'll be healed. And all that kind of garbage that's out there. And he writes with candor, he says this, We have stripped away Christ's demands for the building of a righteous society and preached an insepid religion concerned only with personal benefits. This distorted view portrays Christianity not as the powerful source of spiritual rebirth and the mediating force for justice, mercy, and love in the world, but as the ultimate self-fulfillment plan. The gospel is not a release for the captives, but confidence for the shy. It is the spiritual equivalent of racy sports cars, designer clothes, and Gordon's gin, a commodity to help one get more out of life. And he said, and that is simply heresy. You will not find that teaching anywhere in Scripture. 
we need to understand that because you're a Christian, your problems are not automatically going to go away. And we need to understand that when we share this with others, the most important problem, the judgment of God, is taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, let's not lose sight of that, because that obviously is the most important thing in life that anyone will have to deal with. But the rest of our problems, they don't go away. Which brings me to the second thing. And it's incorrect to think that all problems are discussed in the Bible. So we're going to stick to problems that are clearly discussed in the book of Proverbs because not every issue in life is clearly addressed in the Bible. And I think that as pastors or teachers, we kind of venture out into very weak territory and not onto a branch that can't support where we're going if we try to deal with things that aren't clearly addressed in the Bible. And we get into all kinds of problems because of that. So I need, to under, I need you to understand that. Number three, it's incorrect to think that having a problem means that you're not spiritual. And that is certainly important to understand in light of everything that we've been going through as a church and individually as well. It's important that we realize that and we recognize because we have a problem before God does not mean that we don't love the Lord, does not mean that we're God, not godly men and women. It means very simply this, that despite the demands of perfection in our society, the reality of it is we need to accept the humanity of each one of us. We're not perfect. If we were, Jesus does not need to die for our sins. We could get there on our own. We need to understand that. We need to address that. And that becomes important because I think that there's much confusion in that area. And when someone sins before God, all of a sudden we begin to question whether they're even believers anymore. And we start to challenge that thinking. And I'm just going to challenge you to realize that that is just ludicrous. And we need to understand that. And it's important because some of the most spiritual-minded people in Scripture are people that wrestled with the deepest problems of life. You look at the book of Job and all the problems that he had and everything that he experienced and he wrestled with it and he had counselors come to him that had a variety of opinions. And he didn't have any easy answers for why things happen sometimes the way that they do. We don't have answers a lot of times for why we do the things that we do. I mean, I know that you've had that same argument that I've had. I've looked in the mirror and said, why in the world did you just do that? Why did you just say that? You know, what's wrong with you? And if I don't have the mirror, then, then my wife asks me those same questions. <laughs> but hey, you know, we, you know we, we need that kind of input. You know, and it's true. You know, why, why do we do the things? I mean, Paul asked that question in Romans 7. Why do, why, do I, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? And the things I want to do, those things I don't do. And oh, wretched man that I am, who can set me free from this bondage of sin? We struggle with that. We struggle with our sin nature, even though we've been given a new divine nature if we've come to know Christ. We struggle with that on a regular basis. And so we need to understand that. And it's incorrect to think that having a problem means that you're any less spiritual. And the fourth thing, it's incorrect to think that being exposed to biblical instruction will automatically solve our problems. Hebrews chapter 5, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to take a look at something with me for a minute. Hebrews chapter 5 deals with this particular subject. It is incorrect to think that being exposed to biblical instruction will automatically solve our problems. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, 
The writer of the book of Hebrews addresses this particular group of people and he asks them a challenging question and one which we need to ask ourselves. <clears throat> it says, concerning him we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. See, regretfully, biblical instruction alone will not solve problems. See, the Bible is very clear that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That basically all that it becomes is a road map for life. You know, looking at a, a road map to get to San Diego or to Seattle or Tacoma or wherever you want to go, looking at that map, studying that map, looking at all the landmarks that go along the way is not going to get you to where you want to go. And many of us believe that somehow or another if we're exposed to good biblical instruction that that's going to automatically propel us to where we need to be. And that's simply not true. We are inundated regretfully and to some degree regretfully in our culture with good biblical instruction and availability, tapes and seminars and radio programs and churches that preach the word of God and we're inundated with good biblical instruction. And yet, so, so many of us have no change occurring in our life at whatsoever. We've got the tapes, we've got the books, we've got the instruction, we've got the Word of God. We can read it, we can study it any time that we want, and we still do the same stupid things that we've always done. And that's what Paul's saying, man, we need to go back to Christianity 101 and start all over again. See, many of us are growing old in the Lord, but regretfully, not many of us are growing up. And that's, and that's the instruction that he's giving us here. And we need to understand that as we consider problems in our life. We need to realize that being exposed to this teaching does not resolve the problem. We need, as he says here, but solid food is for the mature who, because of what? Practice. Because they live it. Because they do what it says to do. That's what we need to understand. And we need to recognize as we go through this whole process that... There's a problem that all of us must deal with, and that's the problem of wisdom. If you've got your Bibles, look at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. There's a problem of wisdom as laid out in the book of Proverbs. All of us struggle with problems in our life. I like what Job writes. He says, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. <laughs> and that is the truth. You know, it's just a fact of life. Solomon, he stated, I think he correctly stated that, you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. And so when we read the book of Proverbs, we're reading from a man's perspective as he's inspired by the Spirit of God to write these words. He's saying, you know what? There's nothing new. So let me just tell you something. The problems that Solomon addressed in his days are the same problems that we will address in our days. And if the Lord doesn't come back, are the same problems that generations that follow us will address in their days. There is nothing new under the sun. All right? So we think we're unique and we've got all kinds of unique problems. You know, you're thinking a little bit too highly of yourself than you ought to. You know what? Because these problems have been going on for generations and generations, and that's just the way it is. That's why the Word of God is timeless, eternal, and it deals with those issues. So in the book of Proverbs, we're going to see very clearly defined as we go through this thing that there's basically two ways to live. 
There's God's way, and there's man's way. There's the right way, there's the wrong way. There's a good way, and there's an evil way. And in the book of Proverbs, it clearly outlines the fact that, hey, you know what? It is very, very cut and dry. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area in life. God says it's either this way or this way. You're either a man or a woman of God or you're not. You're either doing what's right or you're doing what's wrong. Uh, you know, it doesn't get much simpler than that. And so that's why I like that because I'm kind of a simple person. I like to just be told, you know, that's wrong, do this, that's right. Okay, good, I can handle that and I can understand that. And that's exactly what we, we've got here in the book of Proverbs. Starting with verse 1, look what he writes. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior. And I like to put right living. Righteousness, justice, and, and equity. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. As we go through this particular session, what I want to do is lay a foundation, and we've got to ask ourselves the question, you know, what really is wisdom? What is wisdom? If you're going to be a wise person, we need to understand what it really is. I want to be wise. God says, you know, the wise person, we need to be wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are, there are wise people and there are foolish people. And let me, let me just get this clear. You can be a wise person who at times is a fool. You get that? So it's not an always or thing. You're not always wise and you're not always foolish. You need to identify what being wise is so that you can continue to be wise. And you need to identify what foolish is so you can stop being a fool. And so as he lays this foundation out, he begins to address this issue of what is wisdom. Charles Haddon Spurgeon writes this. And I think this is going to help some of us who are struggling with how can this kind of stuff ever happen? You know, how, how does this happen? How, you know, how, how, did, how does David do what he did? How does, how does that happen? And I think Spurgeon answers the question quite well when he says this. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. It says, to know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. It says, there is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Do you understand what he's saying? There are a lot of us who have head knowledge and we know what's right or wrong. We've got it all. And yet that does not in and of itself protect us and prevent us from making wrong choices. And I think we're a little bit naive when we begin to believe that I know that's true of me, but I certainly couldn't believe it's true of you. How foolish that is, as human beings, all in the same family, to think that somehow or another, some of us are immune to wrong decisions. Now, you got to understand, that does not negate the consequences. But I think that it also helps us to identify and have compassion 
with each of us as we make wrong decisions. See, that really is the issue. And so what Spurgeon has to say is, you know what? Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. And there's three things that the book of Proverbs lays out, and I want to kind of go over them one at a time. And, uh, and, it, and it has to do with what is wisdom. Number one, and it's important to understand that wisdom is the attribute of God by which he creates, sustains, and he controls all things. Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. Look what it says. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. By wisdom, God took the omnipotent and the omniscience that he had. He took the knowledge that he had, and it was by wisdom that he created everything in the universe. And not only does he create it, but he also holds it all together. And it's important to understand because Job wrestled with the same issue of when there's problems and trouble in life, does God really know what's going on? Some of us think God created the earth and then kind of he's ditched us or something, you know? He's split. Here, you can have this, I'm out of here. You know? And that's not true at all. It's by the wisdom of God he took the knowledge that he had and he created what you see all around you. And it's important that we understand this for this reason. God knows what he's doing. He's in control. He's always in control. And while all hell breaks loose in your life and you think you've got all these problems and when it's breaking loose at the church or wherever it is in, you know, in your business or down the street or wherever it is and everything's breaking loose and you've got all these problems and you think that God doesn't know what's going on, then you don't know much about God. God is in control. What's harder to do? Create the universe or maintain it? It's a lot easier to get your oil changed in your car than to build a car. Isn't it? Is that too simple or stupid? I don't know. I mean, I just thought of it, so i got to be careful when you think of (laughs) stupid things like this. You know, 6,000 miles, time to get that sucker changed. Um, You know, so see, I daydream like you do. (laughs) Anyway, so what does that mean? I mean, think about this for a moment. What does that mean in practical terms? If you're going through a problem, what does it mean? What does it mean? Somebody help me out. Or go like this. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? If you're going through a problem, what does it mean? God's trying to get your attention. He certainly got all our attention. Huh? Why? Because, listen to this, and this is what blows me away about God. God knows stuff that we don't know. And some of you, like, you're going like this. You know, the fact you scratch your head and go, right? Yeah? Well, it's pretty obvious in your case. But um, you know what I'm saying? God knows stuff we don't know. And see, this is what happens. God allows all kind of stuff to happen. Is he in control? Absolutely. Does he allow evil to take place in the world? Absolutely. Does he tempt any of us to do what's wrong? Nope. He knows. He knows it's out there. He knows it exists. He knows us better than we know ourselves. God allows things to happen. And you know why he allows things to happen? When we make wrong choices and we experience consequences, what God teaches us is that we really need to lean on his wisdom and not on our own. See what I'm saying? Some of us think we're pretty smart. Some of us think we got it all together. Some of us think that, you know, we could lay out a plan and that's the way it's going to be. 
But let me tell you something. I had all the greatest plans in the world, man. I look back on them and think about all my plans in life. And God just said, man, you know, I got a better idea for you. And he is right. Now, I'll still make plans because man plans his ways. But the Lord directs his steps. And what we've got to be careful in our planning process is that we're sensitive to the leading and the direction of God and that we just don't start going and saying, well, I already got my plans. I got my mind made up. This is what I'm going to do. He's saying, oh, shut up, slow down, and listen to me. And if you don't, I'm going to allow the consequences to come into your life so that ultimately you see how wise God truly is. See, God, wisdom, creates the universe, but he also holds it all together. And I think it's great. Though I would never rejoice in the, the problems or the downfall of any of us who sin before God. Because there's much tragedy and there's heartache and there's all of that that goes along with it. And there's tears and there's just misery. And we've all gone through it and we've all spent some time, you know, I'm sure, praying and crying before God. But yet, in the midst of all of that, is a certain sense of joy in knowing that God is in control. He knows what he's doing. And I believe this, that God loves David and Carol Hawkins. I know that. I believe that. Then why did all this happen? Hey, you know what? Because it has a lot to do with what we're talking about. Knowledge does not necessarily mean wisdom and right behavior. It sure helps to lead us in the right way. But I know this that God knows about more about each one of us, including them, than we'll ever know about ourselves. And that when God loves us, he stops us before we go too far to where we have more tragedy and more consequence than maybe even he on this earth could ever heal. See what I'm saying? God's in control. God is wise. And because of the consequences of wrong behavior, it forces us back to look for him as a source of all of our wisdom. And we need to understand that. You know, because we're all confused. Some of us are very confused. And uh, the only thing that will, will shed any light on that confusion is the clarity of the Word of God. That's the only thing that will do it. Which <clears throat> leads me to the second point. And that is that wisdom is an asset that's far more valuable than anything else you'd ever pursue in life. It's an asset. It's something that we need more than anything else that you ever pursue. Proverbs three thirteen through 18, he writes this. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she, speaking of wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. What's the most important thing in life that any of us could ever pursue? I mean, you know what's so funny? You look at that. Some of us are like, man, you know, we're going after all kinds of stuff. We need a better job. We need more money. We need a bigger house. We need a car. We need clothes. We need it. You know, I'm just, I can just imagine, you know, you, you probably had a conversation this week, you know, what you need. And I want to ask any of you, did any of you say, you know, what I need most of all is godly wisdom. (laughs) Hopefully you'll say that, you know, when you leave, but I mean, I know you didn't come in with that as a top on your list. What you need is godly wisdom. You know, it's interesting, and here's a man, Solomon, who said exactly that to God. 
God said, you know, what do you want? He said, boy, you know what I need more than anything? I need, I need a wise and a discerning heart so that I could judge your people, so that I could be the kind of leader you want me to be because I ain't got it. And God was pleased with that request. Now think about it. What do you need more than anything else? You need godly wisdom. Think about it. Knowledge alone isn't good enough. Now what we need to do is ask God and say, look, you know what, we're getting all this knowledge. And we, we have an understanding of what you're saying. But now I need the wisdom to rightly apply the knowledge. You follow how this works? I got the knowledge. Now I need the wisdom. I need to know how to apply it. Best, one of the silliest illustrations I ever heard, and yet it's the kind of stuff that sticks with you forever, and you say, I'll never repeat this because it's so stupid, and then you do it a million places. So I don't know. I mean, there must be something to it. But, but I heard a man one time, in fact, it was, uh, uh, was is Dick here, partly, teaching that finance class? Okay. He isn't here? Good. Oh, he is here. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> ah, he didn't say it. He didn't say it, but it was, in the, it was in that material. It was in the Larry Burkett material. And Larry's standing there, you know, in his brown polyester suit, <laughs> look at, looking classical East Coast. And he says, you know, if you hand a man a fish, you feed him for the day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. <laughs> you look like an old fisherman. Yeah, you old salty dog, you kind of hanging at the end of the pier there. But uh, think about it for a second. Isn't that true? It is true. See, that's the problem with our society. We're, we're symptomatic, you know. We're, we're bandage people. Oh, here, you need something? Here, here's a, here's a handout. Well, that's not putting people to work. That's not helping people long range. That just takes care of today. And what God's saying is, you know what? See, that's what wisdom's all about. It's learning to live right before God for the rest of your life. Not just today. See, that's what wisdom is. I like that. Wisdom is an asset that's more valuable than anything else that you'd ever pursue. We need to be men and women who pursue godly wisdom. Think about it for a moment. I've got this knowledge. I need wisdom. How do I apply the knowledge that I have in this setting? How do I do it in my family? How do I do it in business? How do I do it when I'm tempted to do what's wrong before God? How do I apply all this head knowledge that I have? And see, one of the most incredible statements to me are people who come and say, Man, you know, didn't a guy like that know everything that he had to lose? Absolutely. Positively. That's not even a question in my mind. I talked to David. He knows exactly what he had to lose. He knew everything that he was struggling with. He knew it. He knew what God had to say. He knew the word of God. He had the head knowledge. See, and that's the scary thing to all of us, isn't it? It scares me. Knowledge alone without proper application. Spurgeon said we we're greater fools than if we had not the knowledge because we know what's right and we know what's wrong. And yet, I'm going to ask you a question to ask yourself. How many of you sitting here today can look into your own heart and your own life and say that you never, ever decided to do something that was wrong before God even though you knew that it was wrong? See, that's what conviction's all about. That's what the Spirit of God's all about. You know, He guides us into truth. And that's the little arguments that we have when we cheat on our taxes and we do other things that we know aren't right before God. See, that's the little arguments that we have on ourselves when we cheat and we don't put the effort in that we should in our business. Or maybe we do things behind our family's back. 
or maybe we watch certain things when we're in a hotel that we wouldn't watch with our family or friends, or when we read certain magazines or literature that we shouldn't be looking at. See, that's the kind of struggle and argument that we have with ourselves. That's the kind of thing when we lie and we steal and we cheat and we gossip and we talk about each other behind each other's backs. Those are the kind of things that when that happens and God's Spirit says, don't do it, and you know that you got the head knowledge and you know what you're going to do is wrong, and yet you don't have the wisdom to make the right application. See, how many of you can sit here and say you've never gone through that same struggle? If you haven't, it's because you don't know the Lord, because the Spirit of God is the only one who can convict us of righteousness before God. See, before I was a Christian, I never had any of those struggles. I did what, was, what, what I thought was right because it benefited me, and that's just the way that it was. And if it wasn't, then people would try to make me feel guilty, and I'd tell them to hit the road. They didn't know what they were talking about, and I never felt bad about it. That's the good news, bad news about being a Christian. You know, the, the bad news is you still have those choices to make. And the good news is, is you have the power of the Spirit of God to control you from making wrong decisions and the wisdom of God to keep you from going in the wrong direction. But we still have the freedom of God that he gives us to make wrong choices. See, and I know I'd like to just say, Lord, don't give me that freedom to make wrong choices anymore. <laughs> Amen. Let us pray. Hallelujah. I mean, wouldn't that be the greatest thing in the world? I prayed that. I said, Lord, you know, you gave me the freedom to make wrong choices. Now, I'm going to give you that freedom back. <laughs> hey, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, maybe that's out of context. But, you know, I th I've thought about that. It's like, here, take it. I don't want it anymore. I don't handle this, this freedom thing too, too well. Thank you very much. But... To date, he hasn't taken a bath. So I guess there's wisdom in that, in the sight of God. Okay? Is that what we pursue more than anything else? Is that what we pursue? I like what one, one old-time evangelist, man, these guys are great. I love getting quotes like this. He said, I'd rather have a man say, I seen it, if he saw something, than to say, I saw it, if he didn't see anything. That same guy went on record as saying, I'd rather preach to a live audience. <laughs> what? Anyway, number three, right before they stoned him. <laughs> number three, what is wisdom? It's the application of God's holiness to all that we say and all that we do. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. See what saying? Take action steps. Make progress. Move in that direction. See what I mean? If you're in a problem area of life and it's causing you to fall before the Lord, get your butt out of there and go into another area. Yeah, that's pretty simple. You know, that's what we need to do. And some of us are really stupid. And that's exactly the question that we have to ask ourselves. You know, think about it for a second. Where do you get wisdom? Where do you get it? Somebody help me out. Please, somebody help me out. Let's, let's participate a little bit. Where do you get wisdom? From talk shows, obviously. No. Where? Okay, from the Holy Spirit. Okay, first of all, we get wisdom from the Spirit of God. But I even challenge that. Huh? 
Okay, by acknowledging him, by praying for it from the Spirit of God, which is true, we're convicted about that. Um, but yet, on the other hand, I also know this, the Spirit of God does not act in, the, in a vacuum. And that's the only reason I say we need to take it one step further. A person can come to know Christ, the Spirit of God can indwell them, and then they never study the Word of God, they never ask for godly wisdom, they never go from there, and they never grow. And they're the ones that Paul writes about that are still babies sucking on milk when they should be eating some good food. So, where do you get wisdom? Okay, from a broken heart. That's part of it. Because a broken and contrite heart, God will never despise. Psalm 51. And that's exactly what David said. Here's a guy who had head knowledge and made another stupid decision. He didn't have wisdom in his life. And yet he realized, too, that a broken heart, God would never despise. And so the bottom line is we need to understand where to get wisdom. Number one, from the Bible. That's obvious. Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We need to recognize there is no way that anybody could get godly wisdom apart from the Word of God, and that's in the Bible. Absolutely no way. You can't get it in a book, and what I would encourage people to understand, there's a lot of great books out there, and everybody reads books, and everybody's got opinions, and everybody, you know, godly men and women write books all the time, and those are good supplements, but they are just that. They're supplements. They will never replace the reading of the Word of God ever in your life need to understand it. They may help you to understand what you're reading, but this has to be the primary source of godly information and godly wisdom. And if they can supplement it and add to your understanding of it, then that's a wonderful thing, and I would encourage that. But I want to just ask you a question. Some of you want wisdom. When was the last time you spent some quality time reading the Word of God? You know, it's a scary thing when you hear opinions and all that we've heard over the last couple of weeks about what people think. Man, that just frightens me to death. Because I heard some of the dumbest things in the world expressed about what people think. And I guess we haven't really learned yet that it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God says. And that's really the issue here. I don't care what I think. You know, my compassionate side would, hey, let's forgive and forget. And you move on. And, you know, and that's what my, my heart says. But that's not what the Word of God says. And so what God does is he stabilizes our emotions, which change on a regular basis, and he gives us some good, solid information to base all of our decisions upon, and that is godly wisdom. The only place you're going to get it is from the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. How do you handle this? Well, let me teach you. For reproof, for correction. You're doing it wrong, now do it right. For rebuke, what you're doing is wrong. It needs to be changed. You need to do what's right. And for training in righteousness so that all of us may be adequately equipped to do the work of God. See, that's the only place you get wisdom. Number one, you get it from the Bible. But also, we need to recognize one other thing. In James 1, 5 through 8, if any of us lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and above reproach. There's an issue that's at hand here. And some of us think we know everything. And by saying that you know everything, you show that you don't know everything and that you're ignorant. If you lack wisdom and God says that we all do, let him ask of God who gives generously and above reproach without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, and here's something that we need to really understand as we go through this whole process of seeking wisdom in the direction of a church and the direction of our lives individually, here's something that we need to take into serious consideration. When we ask of God, he gives us generously and without finding any fault. But the warning here is that But you know what? But when we ask, we must believe what he says and not doubt him. 
Don't let your emotions get in the way because he who doubts the wisdom of God is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The man should not think that he'll receive anything from the Lord for he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. And those are the kind of decisions. We make one decision a day and we get public opinion and sentiment and we're emotional about it and we change that opinion from yesterday and we change it and it's a new opinion today. Then we get a whole other opinion tomorrow. Then we get another opinion next week. And God's saying, wait a minute, I've already told you, if you lack wisdom, ask me and I'll give it to you. And I won't find any fault with the fact that you don't know because I already know you don't know. So I'm going to give it to you. But when I give you the information, the knowledge that you need, and I give you the wisdom of how to apply it, then don't you doubt what I say to you. Just go and do it. Because if you don't, you're going to be going up and down all the time and you're not going to get anywhere in your life. You're going to be tossed to and fro on the sea of decision making and you'll never get to port. You'll never get a decision made. I don't know, some of us are like, man, it's like, you know what? We need help in making a decision. We ask God and we go, is anybody else up there? No? You know, we're like, you know, decision by committee. Oh, well, hey, how about, you know, someone else up there? Anybody? I don't like what I just heard. I don't like what I just studied. I don't like what I just read because I don't like the implications of it. I don't like what it means because of the emotional side and the feeling side of my life, and it's really messing me up. God says, whoa, you ask me, I'm telling you. Now, you got a choice whether you're going to do it or not. Man, that's tough. That's tough stuff. Before you can get anywhere in life and walking with the Lord, we have to learn to believe what he says and take him at his word. No matter who's involved, no matter what's involved, we just got to believe God. Oh, we ain't getting anywhere. Now, oh, we'll have to do this next week. But here's a question that's a burning question in my heart. Why do some of us lack wisdom? Why do some of us lack wisdom? We've got all the head knowledge. We've got all the head knowledge. But some of us demonstrate by our life that we don't have godly wisdom. Why do some of us lack it? And how do we know if we are truly wise in the sight of God? And you'll have to come back next time. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this opportunity to begin a study in this book that you've given us called Proverbs. God, what a wonderful roadmap for life. You make it so simple. It's either one way or the other. It's either your way or our way. It's either your word or our will. It's either doing right or doing wrong. It doesn't get any simpler than that. God, help us to see that and understand it. God, help us to see the value of wisdom, which is the right use of the knowledge and instruction that you give us. God, help us to seek you and your word, to pray and to ask you for direction as it complies and lines up with your word because you don't give wisdom outside of what you've already written. You help us to identify in your written word what we need to do in life, how we need to respond to certain situations. God, give us the faith that we need to not doubt what you have to say, but to be men and women of God who stand on the principles of the word of God and the word of God alone. God, help us also at the same time to be people that have compassionate hearts. To recognize our humanity. To recognize that all of us, there's only one God, and that's you alone. And that we should never elevate any man or any woman onto a pedestal that only we end up causing their own downfall. 
God, help us to see how dangerous that is in a society that's looking for idols to worship on a regular basis. God, may we continue to fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, help us to look at your word as the source of all information and for the source of wisdom and life. God, we just thank you for this time and we look forward to the rest of this series as we look at what you have to say about the problems of everyday life. We just thank you for the direction in Christ's name. Amen.